0: This is a setup. (laughs) You want me to lead off on this one? Yeah. You're going to have to cut some. (laughs) Hey there. Welcome back to personal finance from the Hilltop. I'm your host, Kyle Hill. Today is part three and the final episode of our laying the foundation mini series. We have a special guest, Tyler Landis, of Tandem Financial Guidance on with us today. Tyler is a certified financial planner, an accredited investment fiduciary, and owner of Tandem Financial Guidance, a fee-only financial planning firm here in the Kansas City area. With that, here's my interview with Tyler. All right, our special guest on uh, the episode this week is none other than Tyler Landis, certified financial planner, and probably the reason I started my financial planning firm. I'm sure that's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's been great. So, so Tyler, you're the owner and financial planner for Tandem Financial Guidance. It's a financial planning firm here in Kansas City. Um, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure thing. Yeah, so. Um, I am a uh, Mizzou
1: grad and uh, went to the financial planning school there and graduated and got my certified financial planner designation shortly thereafter. Uh, Worked for another firm here in town for about five years and then launched Tandem uh, at that point to try and serve families um, who were, um, you know, earlier earlier stage of life. So uh, having kids, growing wealth, moving up in their careers, that sort of thing.
0: Awesome, yeah. It's uh, you uh, you're the one that inspired me to uh, launch my firm. You're doing what I wanted to be doing, and so uh, you've really been a mentor through me, for me through this process. So, um, thank you for that.
1: I'll do my best.
0: <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, today, um, how you doing? I'm good. Good. Yeah. Hair, hair's looking good. How long has it been since cut?
1: So I didn't get it cut from uh, mid-January, and then I was probably due by the time, uh, you know, the world shut down, and then um, just got it cut a couple weeks ago. Um, I officiated my sister-in-law's wedding, and so figured I at least needed to tame the beast uh, before that. So uh, I kept it a little longer, you know, on video here. It looks like I've got these little wings, but they're it's not so bad in person, but it's uh, longer than it's been since college, so
0: yeah oh nice nice did i ever tell you that um my senior high school i was voted for my class for uh, best hair i did not know that yeah i'll ha- I'll have to show you the uh, yearbook picture uh, <laughs> yeah yeah for the length uh yeah it was um kind of long had some little bit of curl to it um okay. you know i i used uh uh herbal essence so it was okay. <laughs> So I don't know. I guess they didn't have any better choices. But um yeah, I'm I'm doing good today. Doing well, doing great. Thanks for asking. Yep. <laughs> How are you? Flying with one kid today and okay. uh, everyone's in daycare. Um so uh I'm uh I'm realizing one is so much easier than two. Oh yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. speak to that. Yeah.
1: So our kids are staggered. You're um your younger son was born around the same time as my oldest daughter. Uh, we both each have two kids, so you've got one older than my mix, and I've got a, a four-month-old that's upstairs with mom right now. So, yeah, it's um, near impossible to get to have two full-time working parents with um, with a toddler running around. Um, not impossible. Plenty of parents do it, and um, you know, more power to them. But it's I know it's hard for them, and luckily, uh, we're in a spot that. You know, we're able to send safely to a daycare and uh, try and get some work done along the side. So, yeah, just managing yeah. managing day to day. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy.
0: So everybody asks us if we're going to have another, and I'm like, it depends on the day. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's – uh yeah. Yesterday, if you would have asked me, I would have said no. Um, it was our oldest, uh, uh, what, didn't nap, had a baseball game, and then was just wh- – Bedtime is just horrible for us, but uh, yeah, it was <laughs> it was meltdowns upon meltdowns yesterday at the end of the day. So, um, we were at our limit. But then there's other days where it's like, you know, I can do it. It's yeah. uh, so yeah. Right now I'm coaching my uh, oldest, helping coach, helping coach my oldest baseball team, and it's so I'm. Um uh, he's soon he'll be five this week so I'm kind of living through him and uh, so it's kind of my dream of uh, you know seeing my kids play sports and everything so it's a uh, you know you can you can call me coach K I'm a hey. hall of famer already hey hey yeah I always uh, the way I try
1: and when my wife and I talk about it I'm, I always try and think you know it's not you got to see th- see through these short term challenges and you know, what, what do you want your Thanksgiving table to look like 20 years from now, right? When the kids are through college, um, you know, there's a lot of life left and there's a lot of difficulty raising one or two or three or more kids, but those are short-term hurdles for a lifetime of return. Yeah. Not not to segue into saving and investing too much, but (laughs) I mean, it all relates, right? Like it's, it's, uh, you do what you have to do today for the long-term payoff and, uh, yeah. You know, building a family that reflects what's, uh, what you enjoy and what's important to you. And it's a great thing.
0: It is. It is. I, I wouldn't change it for the world. So, um, and I always tell people if we had a girl, you have two girls. I have two boys. And so it's just chaos around our house. But if I, if we had a girl, I said she'd have me wrapped around her finger. So, right. and, uh, but, uh, all right, man. Well, let's get into our, um, famous or notorious, Five minutes of fluff. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure what to expect, but I'm, I'm game. All right. Five minutes fluff. Five questions for you. Okay. First question. Best vacation spot you've been on? Easy. Um, so the
1: year before... I think I know this by the way. You may, yeah. The year before we went to... Or the year before we had um, our, our first daughter um, was also... So we got married in 2015... Uh, This was 2016, and then we had our first daughter in 2017. So in 2016, we went on a – I think it was like 16 days, 15 days in all. But we were like, let's go do this thing before we start the family and (laughs) don't have the opportunity again. So we went on a two-week trip from – started in Rome and then went up through Italy uh, to – visited Florence and then uh, Cinque Terre, which is on the the coast – And then back into Milan and then took the train on up to Switzerland, um, in, uh, 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 and then took that on to Germany to Munich for Oktoberfest. And so that trip is, you know, I've never been on a trip like that. So that's, you know, obviously the, the trip of a lifetime to date, but if I had to pick one piece out of that chain, um, it was definitely Switzerland. So the the thing in the Alps, um, Better yeah. than I mean Rome was cool for the history. And uh, you know, the the rest of Italy was beautiful. Um Oktoberfest, what I remember was awesome. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh Switzerland was just gorgeous. Yeah, I'd go back there in a heartbeat. Nice.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I like how you had all the details leading up to Oktoberfest, and then it was just then Oktoberfest. That had to yeah. go last in
1: that <laughs> <laughs> because if it was first, it would have been a whole different experience.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. So Pretty awesome from what you remember. So, um, best vacation I've been on. So wife and I, for her, um, I'm not going to say her age for her birthday. A couple of years ago, we went to Maine and I'd never been to Maine before. And we stayed at this resort called the cliff house. And it's literally a resort on a cliff that drops off into the ocean. And, uh, I'd never seen the ocean before actually. I've flown over it because uh, I was born over in Germany, but uh, had never seen the ocean before that. Um, but that was an amazing, uh, an amazing place. And we were sands of the kids. So uh, it was it was really nice. So we'd love to go back there. Um, all right. Next up, favorite place to visit. A little different from our first question. Our favorite place to visit. Every summer we go with family to the YMCA of the Rockies camp at Estes Park or in Estes Park, or I guess just outside of Estes Park technically. Um, but it's a beautiful place. And we, my wife grew up going out there. Um, and, uh, we actually went there on our honeymoon. Everybody kind of gives us a strange look when I say I went to the YMCA camp for our honeymoon, but it's actually a really great place. If anybody has a, uh, gets a chance to check it out. Um, they have all these cabins and lodges. It's kind of like, um, uh, a little bit like the movie Dirty Dancing, the resort they have there. So all sorts of activities and whatnot. Um, my son, the only reason he wants to go there is to play on the immaculate baseball field that they have there. So um, that's what we did every day that we were there this uh, over this summer. Um, is played baseball, and uh, so yeah, it's a great place. Beautiful up in the mountains.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, you're not. You're actually not the only person I've heard say that. So I, that's a, <laughs> a place I'd love to visit sometime. Yeah. Um, mine i think would be uh you know just being a missouri boy uh the lake of the ozarks um i grew up uh my my grandparents lived down there kind of retired to their their lake cabin that my you know my dad went to when he was a kid um and so then when uh when my cousins and i would go visit grandma and grandpa it was uh at the lake um you know they since you know sold that that house and um now my my aunt and uncle also have a place down there, so that's where we go now, but uh, that's kind of a bucket list item for me i'd like I'd really like to have a lake house down there and just remembering all the memories that I had with my cousins growing up going down there and that my dad had with his brothers and sisters going down there um <clears throat> you know something about sitting on the dock uh with a beer looking out over the the sunset going down on the ripples of the water that's just uh that's peaceful for me,
0: yeah, yeah I know I'm there with you i uh, during this, um, craziness, uh, we went, my, my family, um, we went down with, uh, another couple, um, who will rename, remain nameless, Paul and Whitney, shout out. Um, we went down there to big Cedar Lodge on uh, table rock Lake. And that was awesome. And we rented a boat, a uh, pontoon and went on the water and, um, I, I was digging it. We, we just, you know, drove the lake on the pontoon and, and hopped in a couple of times and had some beers and I was like, it, it gave me the itch for a boat. Yeah. So there's a lot of
1: ways to spend a day.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, I could, I could, I could do that. Um, all right, let's move on here. So, um, just so everybody knows a little bit about you, you are a certified beer judge. That is um, great. what is your favorite beer?
1: Oh man. Um, let's go beer style. Cause I don't know if I can okay. pick out one, but, um, you know, I think IPAs got really popular there for a while. Everyone was all about the hops, you know, hop heads and everything. And then, uh, more recently that kind of morphed into new England IPAs, which are more of a hazy, cloudy, um, juicy sort of take on a, a hoppy beer. Um, You know, and those are all great. I enjoy them all. I like, I like sours. I know you do. (laughs) um, So, you know, I, I kind of dabble in everything, but if I could sit down with like a nice malty uh, brown ale or stouter porter, that's really, I think if on a cool day, (laughs) you know, that's where my heart is.
0: Yeah. I don't get all the different uh, notes, notes of beers. Is that, is that right? Yeah, sure. Is that wine?
1: No, yeah, there's tasting notes or flavors, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm just like, if it's good, it's good. I'm not a big dark beer person. Um, Old Reliable for me is Boulevard Wheat. But as you mentioned, right now, I'm really kind of a big fan of sours lately. So, Um, yeah, I've got a buddy, uh, Marshall. Uh, Marshall and uh, Bullcock have a brewery, and uh, I think that's where I had my first sour. Um, this year and I, I, really liked it. So they turned me on to that. So, um, for anybody wanting to check that out in the Kansas city area, that's Rochester, um, brewery down in the crossroads. So a really good place and good guys. Um, all right. So last two questions, what's your fantasy team name going to be this year? This is a setup.
1: <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah, so my fantasy—I'm in a fantasy football league with uh, Kyle and the uh, aforementioned Brewers from Rochester, and then a group of other guys as well. Um, yeah, my very creative name has been uh, Team Tyler for the past few years, and I—I uh, I don't know. I guess I'll have to think of something better. <laughs> but yeah, I'm something creative.
0: Brewing. I mean, yeah. you can go that route. Yeah, I'll work on it. You, yeah, it was a setup from the generic. I was gonna say that's not you don't ask that to everybody, do you? <laughs> oh, I, I switch the questions up every time. Oh, okay. So, um, however, on my end, uh, my fantasy team name this year, I'm kind of at a loss. So I'm uh I'm just getting some shameless plugs for the podcast. And uh, one league, it's just for clicks. I think that's my church league just for clicks and the cover, uh, the, uh, my image is the cover art for the podcast. And then our, in our league, the cat pack, cause everybody went to a college of a feline descent. Um, it's, so, yeah, uh, it's, uh, for clicks and giggles. That's right. So, but I'm one of those that it can change week to week. So um, I've been known to change my name in the middle of the week or multiple times. So <laughs> we'll see what comes to mind. All right. Last question I ask everyone, what would your walk-up song be? Oh man. I'm thinking like some violin or something.
1: No, so I, yeah, I, I did play the violin from. <laughs> Third, and fourth grade through senior year of high school,
0: um, I think that would blow some the pitcher's mind. Yeah, that would just what a little Vivaldi, yeah, like a little Four Seasons or
1: something. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I, or I was telling my uh, I was my wife the other day my high school like ringtone was an instrumental version of a Busta Rhymes song, so maybe I'd go old school. <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice nice um oh ringtones do, I do people still do those I doubt it I don't. <laughs> people don't answer their questions. people a few years ago uh that did them but I haven't heard any recently but then again we haven't seen people recently so who knows um yeah my high school ringtone or maybe we'll call it college I had a uh a gold flip phone And, uh, the song that I had was, I think it's, uh, um, was it Billy ocean get out of my dreams and into my car (laughs) (laughs) never worked. (laughs) So, uh, so my walk up song again, this changes by the day. It seems, um, this one's kind of throwback to the nineties kind of weird, but it's just been playing in my head lately. Um, after I watched the Royals just destroy the Pittsburgh Pirates um, yesterday, they were up 10 to nothing at the end of the third. So, uh, Rolling by Limp Biscuit has kind of been playing in my head. Just keep rolling. Okay. You know? okay. I, don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that means. The uh, the
1: songs stuck in my head uh, lately are usually Daniel Tiger. So, it would be, <laughs> that would be the other
0: alternative. <laughs> All right. So, all right, well, let's uh, let's get uh, five minutes of fluff that went beyond five minutes again. So my fault. Cut it down. So um, this episode, episode three, it's a continuation of this little, what I'm calling mini series of laying the foundation. And it's the foundation for the financial planning process and uh, developing your personal financial plan. And I believe at the core is... We'll say these these um, these foundational building blocks. And our first episode was on budgeting. Um, if you, you know, if you can't control your money, um, the financial plan is not going to be successful. Um, the second one was getting out of debt, um, because the best way to build wealth is to be out of debt or getting out of debt. Um, and then the, the third one that we're doing today is going to be on saving and investing kind of overall saving theme there. Um, So let's talk about uh, the three reasons we save. And so um, I kind of put them in different buckets here, kind of your short-term, mid-term and long-term buckets, Um, but really saving for emergencies. So you don't have to go into debt. Uh, Number two would be stuff. As i will say or purchases and then the third one is for wealth building and so these all kind of come from um the dave ramsey program and anybody that's listened to the podcast so far knows i'm a uh, big fan uh followed the process have led his classes at my church and uh um it's the framework really that i use for my clients as we go through the financial planning process and so in his program, he has what he calls the seven baby steps, and figured I would uh, list those out for everyone. Um, I know you're familiar with these, but the first baby step is to save a thousand dollars in a beginner emergency fund. Uh, the second is pay off all debt except the house using the debt snowball. Third is going to be put three to six months worth of expenses in savings. So that's Uh, Four is investing, he says, 15% of your household income into um, Roth IRAs and pre-tax retirement plans. Five, save for kids' college. Six is pay off the house early. And seven is build wealth and give. And so really the big ones that we're going to be hitting on today are kind of one, three, and four. Um, And I guess four and above really, uh, because you're, you're, you're in the wealth building process at that point. So. um, So yeah, um, saving for emergencies. Um, We say start with a $1,000 beginner emergency fund. Um, That way, when emergencies happen, not if but when they happen, we don't have to dip into debt. We don't have to go put something on the credit card. Um, So uh, feel free to chime in. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the,
1: the thousand dollars for a um, rainy day emergency fund, um, is a great goal. Um, and depending on where you're coming from can seem like a stretch, right? If if you're coming from a position where, um, you know, you haven't followed Kyle's uh, first couple podcasts with, uh, budgeting and <laughs> paying the debt off yet. Um, that, I mean. yeah, exactly. Um, that might feel, pretty difficult, depending on, again, where you're coming from. But the idea is whether it's, you know, 500 or a 1000 or 2000, is getting a base level of cash set aside, so that when an emergency happens, or when the unexpected happens, that it's not an emergency. Right. And so, you know, I, I kind of view, you know, call it whatever you want, contingency fund, rainy day fund, emergency fund. Um, the point is, the example that I like to throw out there is if you run over a bunch of nails and pop all four tires, that can easily be a thousand bucks to replace them. And so if that happened to you, where would you get that money? Uh, if you don't have money set aside, that's likely going on a credit card, um, which you know just digs you that much deeper into the hole. Um, but if you have a thousand bucks or you know 1,500 or 2,000, whatever, um, that emergency doesn't feel so bad. You can easily afford to um, face that Circumstance and and continue with your life, and then pay yourself back by refilling that fund.
0: Yeah, and I, I know a lot. I, you get some pushback here on well, thousand dollars doesn't seem like a whole lot. It's like, well, it's not, and it's it's not meant to be a whole lot. We don't want you to get comfortable yeah. with just a thousand dollars, right? But it's um, in this process, it's it's motivation. Um, we don't want you to get too comfortable because. If you're too comfortable when you're going into baby step two, the paying off debt, um, you're not going to be as intense about it because, you know, you have a pot of money sitting over here. So when you you only have $1,000 or, you know, maybe it's 1500 or 2000 you know, whatever, but we don't want a fully funded emergency fund at this point when you still have debt over here because we could put that money to better use by applying it towards debt. Um, yeah. We want to keep the fire we want to I, I don't know if uh i yeah we want to keep the fire lit <laughs> yeah no
1: that's a, that's a great point and yeah it's the um you're not trying to save um this isn't saving for a vacation this isn't even fully funding your emergency fund necessarily you know maybe uh, a future baby step you want to get that up into you know several thousand dollars or you know like, however, a couple months worth of living expenses. And we can talk more about that. But yeah, the idea would be to just have some cash on the sideline um, so that you're prepared for the unexpected. Right. But yeah, to your point, um, you don't want to you can get in too much too comfortable or too much into a routine of saving that you ignore the debt or you ignore investing and you end up just stockpiling cash. And I've seen that in my practice, Um, people reach out to a financial planner for the first time because they realize they have a sizable amount of cash just sitting in a savings account, but they haven't addressed increasing their retirement contribution. They haven't addressed paying their debts off. They still carry credit card debt or student loans or car payments, um, but they focus too much on savings um, and didn't really have a clear path for any other goal. And so, I think the you know Dave's baby steps or um, you know different people have different systems, but the idea just being that you you have that contingency fund um, for emergencies and then once that's in place, you can afford to, you know, tackle the other goals and, and put them in an order that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know people that, you know, they go through or maybe starting out the budgeting process for the first time or have been doing it, but they're finding that they're not able to save. And so, yeah, for those that um, would say when they get to the end of their budget, they don't have anything left to save um, kind of what, uh, what we um, we tell them their budgets upside down right, right. yeah
1: yeah so I think you have to as much as you make paying your light bill a priority as much as you like make, uh, make getting out of debt or paying uh, you know student loans off or whatever a priority you have to make saving a priority as well and um you know, you may have heard it termed, you know, pay yourself first. You know, make yourself a bill <laughs> that you have to pay every month um, before you, you know, pay everything else. And it, it's not so much that um, you, you can't afford to skimp in other areas, but you also can't afford to you know, skimp in uh, in your savings. So it just has to have equal footing as everything else. And if the budget doesn't work, then we've got to adjust priorities. But you can't make your budget work by ignoring savings as part of it. Yeah. You have to um, account for it in the context of everything else you have going on, but make sure that you're um, that, that it's not ignored.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's so with the, the every dollar app that, um, uh, that I use, that's the thing with that is they put budgeting as like, they put giving and budget or uh, giving and saving as your top two budget items mm-hmm. in your budget. And so they've, they've, you flip the budget upside down, right? You put those at the top of the budget because they're priority. Um, and so it's kind of that change in mentality rather than, well, your savings and your giving is the last thing that you do in the budget. No, make them the first thing that they do, right? uh, because they're priorities to you. Right. So, um, but yeah, the saving for emergencies prevents us from going into debt, um, creates margin in your life, you know, um, and reduces stress. So, um, but, uh, so yeah, after we get the, the uh, beginner emergency fund in place with the, you know, $1,000 or so, um, and we tackle the debt, the next, the next savings area is going to be the three to six, our baby step three is, as we would put it, is going to be three to six months worth of living expenses. And so, um, that is that is your beefed up, fully funded emergency fund. And that is, you know, uh, job loss happens, which timing right now is perfect for this, right? Only we could have recorded this a year ago or something. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a job loss or somebody gets, uh, has a disabling event hurt at work or, or something of that nature where they're not working full time or um, staying home with, with a kid. I mean, you name it. Um, I guess what, uh, what is your thoughts about the three to six months worth of expenses? I know I get a lot of people ask me, ask me that, well, do I need the three or the six? And what does that look like? As far as, um, does that mean like, a, I'm not doing anything budget or my current lifestyle budget?
1: Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's a rule of thumb for a reason, right? It's going to look a little bit different for each person when you dial it in. But um, in general, you know, uh, just like with your, your initial emergency, you know, that, that first $1,000 uh, contingency fund, the idea is just to have enough to where if there were a sig- more significant interruption in your income that you would be okay. And so whatever that looks like for you, you know, you can shade t- toward one end or the other, like more toward three or more toward six, Um Depending on your circumstance, I mean, some uh, one common um, way I'll delineate that for a couple is, you know, if they're a one-income household or a two-income household, or if their incomes are uh, dramatically different, like if if one income is producing, you know, seventy-five percent of the household income and the other is twenty-five. You know, um, both are valued, but the impact of losing the higher income or the only income um, makes a, a larger, you know, hit. Um, on the household finances. So if you're in a situation where one income is more at risk, or losing that one income would have a greater, you know, outsized impact on your family, then maybe you shade up towards six months, just to make sure that, um, you know, you have enough on the sidelines. Or, you know, if you're, if you're, a master budgeter and you're living within your means anyway, and you're saving a whole bunch and you've got, you know, two incomes that are reasonably the same and both jobs are pretty secure and, and you feel comfortable with three months. Um, and you know, that if there were a big income interruption, um, and, and, you know, you could really pare back your lifestyle, maybe you don't eat out as much and maybe, you know, you've been, um, saving a whole bunch uh and you could put a pause on that savings or you know you could do different things to manage that income interruption then maybe three months is totally comfortable for you um so it's really just you know where you slide on that scale is going to hit you a little different depending on where you're coming from
0: yeah yeah it's really evaluating your situation your individual situation and you know, to what you said, you, do we have a single income household, a dual income household? Does one make more than the other by how much? Um, but really evaluating those things and then what makes you feel most comfortable, right? Um, so, but uh not going to hold it against a dual income household, if <laughs> you, want <to> do <laughs> you know, yeah. so
1: well, um, I, I think that's another common question, too, is people feel like, you know, if they're successful with this, right, and they, they've built up six months, that can be a big number. And so people yeah. worry about having too much cash sitting there and like, well, it's just sitting there. It's not really working for me. Yeah. It's not, you know, it could be, um, should I invest it? And, and we'll get to some of that stuff later here. But, yeah. but the point of having that cash on the sideline isn't for it to be earning you a bunch of money it's to be there so that you feel comfortable and safe if something happened so you know i I, i've talked to couples that have you know ten twenty thousand dollars sitting in cash because that's what it that's what six months of living looks like to them um and that's okay like that might feel like a lot but it depends on your lifestyle and, and your income and your expenses and what you've got going on and um it'd be completely appropriate to have that much in cash if uh if that fit your your life, right?
0: Yeah, and and I, I think to your point there, this isn't an investment, right? Right, this is insurance, insurance against life happening, right? And when life happens, we want cash available, we want it liquid, and we, we don't want to be risking it, you know. Um, over the long term, the market produces good returns, but just a few months ago, we we're down, you know, 20, twenty thirty percent in some cases so um and so that's this is insurance insurance costs you money so it's costing you just keeping it in cash but but this is insurance against emergencies um in life happening and so um not viewing this as an investment um like you said that's over in another area um so let's, uh, let's move on to our, our second point. So we talked about three reasons to save. Emergencies, we talked about. And then next one is stuff, as I put it, or purchases. Um, and so we talked about this on the first episode, first podcast episode with the budget teacher, uh, David Gorley, about using sinking funds to save for things. And so whether it's, you know, the new iPhone, I think is is getting ready to is that tomorrow uh i think they're having their annual meeting release the next iphone um i'm sure it'll be well over a thousand dollars or uh you know buying a new car or buying a car um don't, don't promote buying a brand new car unless you got a um you know over a million dollars or so but um or even your annual property tax um, we talked about using a sinking fund approach for. Um, some other things maybe a roof on a house or uh, you know they have a lifespan or going on vacation and then uh, um, did you know that Christmas is on December 25th this year (laughs) I did yeah
1: I I heard that
0: yeah okay so yeah um, it's funny how that creeps up on us but if we use a sinking fund approach uh, saving for Christmas doesn't kind of lightens the load on us So, um, so yeah, uh, using a sinking fund, what we talked about, um, kind of the, the idea behind it is, um, you have an amount that you need to save in a specific amount of time and then dividing that amount up by the number of, you know, months between. So for example, say, say you had a property tax due for $1,200. And you have a year to save for it. So dividing that up by twelve months, save a hundred dollars each month in a separate account for a sinking fund um, to cover that expense. So when it you know it comes up that month, you're not looking to find twelve hundred dollars, or you know the month before, trying to figure out how you're going to save twelve hundred dollars in two months. And so, um, what, what are your thoughts on on saving? Yeah, for, for stuff? sure. So it's. Um
1: it's different and in addition to your first thousand and your fully funded emergency fund. Right. I think that's the, the biggest thing is this yeah. is um, just because you're saving up for a goal now um, that emergency fund is still there and separate and off limits and less needed. Right. It's, it's not, not a, yeah, it's not a sl- slush <laughs> or stuff fund. Fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I use so you mentioned every dollar. Um, I use an app called YNAB, um, stands for You Need a Budget. Um, similar, similar um, sure, really. philosophy, right? Giving every dollar a job. Um, so you you got money come in at the beginning of the month or however often you're paid, and those dollars are assigned a duty. Uh, so you know, for me, you know, I, I know how much I need to fund different expenses, you know, utilities and uh, groceries and dining out and diapers and wipes and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then I have categories for um, stuff, (laughs) right. And so, and you can have different categories for different types of stuff. And so how much you contribute to those funds can be, um, you know, if it's more of a fixed expense to your point about property tax, you know, if you know you need to put a hundred dollars a month so that you have 12, thousand or 1200 at the end of the year when you need it, um, then that's a great strategy. And and whatever you can do to track those, um, savings contributions or earmarks, you know, earmarking those dollars, giving those dollars a job, um, the better. And uh, when, when I do financial counseling, uh, budget counseling for folks, um, you know, I tell them there's no one right system for everybody, but the, the budgeting system or cash flow or savings tracking approach that you'll actually use is the one you should you should pursue, right? Like it doesn't do anyone any good if you create a budget and put it in a drawer and never look at it. Um, so if you are a little too ambitious and you want to spin up with YNAB or, or whatever, it has a bit of a learning curve. Um, you know, it might not be right for you if, if that's, if you're going to burn out on it and not want to follow it, but you know, for that person, maybe, starting out with a notebook and writing out your budget every month and like, you know, writing down when you earmark those dollars within your savings account to a different thing. Um, you know, there's something tactile about writing it out that might help it stick and might make it more approachable. Um, you know, or every dollar if you're, if you're tech savvy or not, it's not even that technical, but if you, if you can put an app on your phone and, and delineate those dollars, then, um, then that can work great too. Um, you know,
0: it's a, uh, I don't claim sure. to be tech savvy. <laughs> I mean, I am. I am uh, doing a podcast, but uh, yeah. yeah, doesn't mean I'm. Uh, our last guest, Mike Song, he's he's a he's tech, a tech, guy, tech yeah. savvy guy. So yes, yeah, so, I mean those are <laughs> those are my thoughts on it. It just
1: has to be intentional, right? You have to identify what that goal is, yeah. what that number is, and uh, you know, it's okay if it's kind of just a general fun money account, and you just throw whatever extra is in there, like that. That's okay. But if you have a specific goal that you're you're trying to save for, a sinking fund or something like that, where you're you're putting a monthly contribution toward it, knowing that there's a specific date you want to have that total balance, you know, accumulated, um, then that's what you got to do. Uh, and and yeah, Christmas comes on the same day every year, so it's it, it's never a surprise. <laughs> you know, you can start thinking about it uh, on the twenty sixth <laughs> for the next year.
0: It's better than taxes. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, definitely, uh, kind of like the old, uh, uh, coin jar, you know, just beefed up with, instead of coins, you're putting do- whole dollars in it and saving it for, you know, whatever it is, maybe, and eventually you want to get a new car, but you don't have timeline on it, or maybe it can go towards a vacation fund. You haven't decided on that, but you're building up the money inside of, um, uh, that is separate from your emergency fund, uh, because again, it's not a slush fund. It's um, this is for emergency use only over here. And then we have our other account. And so I, I think I mentioned this on previous podcasts that um, we have, you know, four different accounts that we use. We have our main account that we do all our transactions through. Then we have a um, an account that we used for for our mortgage and property tax. Um, and so we transfer money over into that each pay period, each, each week. Um, so at the end of the month, it's, we don't have, you know, our mortgage that we're trying to find within this big chunk of money over here. It's, it's isolated over here in its own account. And then, uh, and, um, and then we have our emergency fund that's in a separate account as well. And then we have our, um, savings fund over here for other things that we want to do. So, um, not saying that's right or wrong. It's what you said, find what works for you. That works. That's what works for us. That's what makes sense. Um, rather than just seeing one big pot of money and thinking that, that I have, I'm set, I've got enough money. It's well, a lot of that money is already spoken for in the forms of, you know, say your emergency fund and the mortgage and that sort of thing. So that's the way that works for us. Again, find what works for you. So. Um, and then also kind of opportunity cost when thinking in terms of financing something from paying cash for it. so um, when you finance something, those future dollars are spoken for. And so you're left paying for that thing over time. Um, whereas if you save up the money,, you, once you get the money saved you can buy that thing or if you've kind of fallen out of love with it you have the opportunity to purchase purchase something else with it or save more money so i think there's also that that aspect that comes and um kind of going back to uh that dr dunn who was at the xy conference on money buying happiness and we're spending it wrong and when we buy stuff um there's there's a you know Little surge of what, dopamine or whatever um, at the get go, but we tend to be the happiness tends to decline over time because eventually somebody else is going to have something better than what we have. You know, say for right. instance, the new iPhone. I mean, I'm still rocking the original SE, so everybody has a better Sorry. iPhone than I do, but I, it's the small, I like it. It's not, <laughs> <laughs> I like the size. Although I'm figuring my my fingers, I don't know, maybe it's my aging, but it's uh, I'm fat fingering a lot more. Than so I'm like, maybe I do need to upgrade. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, uh, next year, somebody's going to have a better iPhone than you are. And the year after that, somebody's going to have a better iPhone than them. So it's this constant, you know, kind of, I don't know, it's at the end of the day, it kind of gets to finding contentment. And, I think there's, know, but that's kind of a deep there.
1: This kind of flows through everything we talked about today so far. There is this idea that there, that there's emotion around money, right? Um, whether yep. it's, um, you know, building an emergency fund so that you're, you know, an emergency is not a catastrophe anymore, or whatever you know, or um, with this specifically, it's about. Whether it's avoiding credit cards and, and saving up and paying in cash instead, right? It's, it's putting some space in between um, that purchase decision and um, the actual, you know, the, the, dec- the decision to buy and the purchase, right? So that you have time to make sure that it's something yeah. you really want. And, and the, the ease with which we can borrow money in our society or swipe the credit card or, or take a loan out for the car or the house um, makes it really easy to skip that step. And so one way I kind of counsel people is, you know, even if you're going to finance the thing, right, even if you're going to, you know, you can't quite pay cash for the car or pay cash for the house or what, you know, there are going to be times when you have, you know, don't have to, but when you'll, you'll find yourself facing the decision of whether or not to finance something. Um, And it's easy to think like, well, I can afford the payment, but that's not Mm -hmm. the same as affording the purchase price, and so I like to have people yeah. think about, regardless of whether you have the cash or not today. Imagine you did, right? If you were going to finance, if you're going to buy a car for you know fifteen thousand bucks, and you can finance that uh, with you know a reasonable payment, a few hundred dollars a, a month, and you know that feels like not that big of a deal, a few hundred bucks. But if you had fifteen thousand dollars in your checking account, would you write that check? and if you would yeah. then decide whether it makes sense to finance or not but if you wouldn't don't get caught in the trap of financing because it feels good and then you know i can afford the payment but then you're setting yourself back you're, to your point Kyle you're 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 spending future dollars and locking them up into that one thing that you might find you don't care as much about down the line
0: yeah 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 if you if you had to write a check for $15,000 to pay for it, rather than financing it over, you know, um, 60 bucks, I think they're saying that more and more cars are uh, being financed for 72 yeah. and 84 months. And, um, if you actually had to pull the trigger and write a check on that, that'd make a lot think more price. used car. Purchases. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, and kind of what you were saying, um, it's putting margin between you and living on the edge so there's uh, this proverbs saying um that uh, in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil but a foolish man devours all he has proverbs 21 20. um and uh, <laughs> dave says if you go and read uh proverbs daily for a month, you'll have a PhD in, uh, in finance. <laughs> so there's, there's some, um, smart, some wisdom within Proverbs as it relates to money and, um, how to handle it. So, um, yeah, we done on the, done on savings, saving for stuff. Yeah. I, if you want if that's how you want to yeah. round
1: it out. I think it's a good spot.
0: Yeah, sure. we'll we'll hard out on that part. Um, and then we'll get onto our, our third, our third uh, reason we save and that's for wealth building. And so not to get into, you know, the nuts and bolts and all the details of, you know, where you save and what you invest in that sort of thing. Um, we're not your investment advisors. Therefore we, haven't evaluated your situation, blah, 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 blah. I'll put the disclaimer in at the end. So, um, but yeah, l- let's talk about why we build wealth. And um, this great Albert Einstein quote, uh, compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understood it, oops, oh, <laughs> I botched it already. He who understands it, earns it. He who doesn't pays it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, let's talk about why we save the creditor wealth. or the debtor. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, the borrower is slave to the lender. I think we said that in previous episode, in the second episode. So, um, another, another proverbs there for you. So, um, but, but wealth building, it's, gets to the main point of of what I talk about with clients and building financial independence, you know? Um, yeah, at some point what you've accumulated it's if we save and invest properly at some point, your portfolio, your investments, um, what you've saved is going to um, generate more of an income for you than your current income is the idea and allows you to um, do have more choices in life to do what you want to do. Yeah, I I think that's
1: the best way to put it, is choices. Um, The flexibility. Um, The the flexibility and ability to choose that you build into your life based on how you manage your finances over a long period of time, right? Um, So, you know, there's... A lot of people our age, you know, we're both older millennials, um, on the top end of that probably that, uh, you know, we graduated with student loans a lot as a, as a cohort. Right. Um, and that choice didn't feel like a choice at the time. At least it didn't for me. It just kind of felt like that's what you do, right. You take a student loan, you go to college and you get out and hopefully you have a job that you can pay it back. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was the next, the next step, step exactly, and but that choice, in hindsight, right, um, limits your future choices or, or or limits your flexibility going forward. So now it's, um, you know, I have I have to work, you know, or you have to work for a certain period of time at a certain level of income to pay that off, so that you can move forward and build the wealth that you need to then have the flexibility. But it kind of delays, you know, that choice can delay life or delay other choices that you may have had in front of you if it weren't there or not to pick just on student loans, but that's, I think the most salient example for maybe the, the listeners who are in similar life stages as us, but, um, what regardless of whether it is taking the, the high, uh, the high stress, high income job that keeps you away from your family more than you'd like, or that you have to travel. Like those are all trade-offs and choices that impact the rest of your, your life plan. Right. Um, and so, by saving and investing and keeping debts in check and following a plan and and doing all the things we've talked about today, you you just build some of that flexibility and and financial independence into your life so that you can make choices on your own terms um you know later on.
0: yeah, yeah, and it's uh um, again it, it it provides you choices to do what you want to do. So you aren't stuck in that high pressure job that keeps you away from your family. Um, It allows you to do the things that you want to do. So I'm, I'm kind of taking this uh, approach that uh, Andy flattery uh, he, he on his recent podcast about you should never retire. And I I like his approach because it's um, it's kind of the mentality I'm taking with this, with, uh, with, my my uh, financial planning practice firm business whatever you want to call it. Um, if if I can find find something that I love and that I can do the rest of my life, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, eventually, yeah, I plan on uh, slowing down and you know maybe traveling more or something. Um, I'm not quite the world traveler that you are. I'll travel all over the United States though, but. <laughs>
1: that was an opportunity that was a narrow window of opportunity
0: <laughs> yeah. that life is over but yeah it's uh wealth building it, it gives you choices so to to do the things you want to do and leave the legacy that you want to leave so because i think that's uh probably for another podcast but i'm um, talking about you know why we do all this and yeah in purpose um you know we what is the purpose behind accumulating all this? Because we can't take it to the grave with us, so it's we either spend it, we can give it, or you know, leave some yeah. sort of a legacy. Yeah, you can leave some breadcrumbs so. for a, a future pod. <laughs> well, because that—that's true. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, that's that's yeah. what it's
1: for. Um, it's to have flexibility in your own life, but also to be able to make the impact in the lives of those you care about, whether that's your family, your community. Um, different causes you care about, you know, just to be, a um, be responsible with your own finances and, and build in the flexibility to be able to do some different things that you might not otherwise have felt able to do.
0: This is uh, this has been a good, good, uh, good chat. And, uh, I guess just kind of leave you guys on this with, uh, kind of a scenario of, of, um, the impacts of compounding interest. And so there's this uh, this scenario of, uh, we'll call them Joe and Bob, and it's the power of compounding interest. And so uh, Joe, he starts saving money at age 19, right? And he saves $2,000 a year until he's age 26. Uh, so for a total of eight years, he saves $2,000. Then after that, he never invests another dime, right? So then, uh, what right. Joe and Bob. Okay. So, so Joe's the early saver. So Bob, Bob sees this and he starts saving money at 27 think thinking he needs to catch up. Right. So he starts saving at 27, saves $2,000 a year until age 65. So basically almost his entire life, his entire adult life, basically. Um, now, I don't know what sort of uh, rate of return they're using on this. I would guess somewhere probably like around 10%. but um, And we could certainly back into it. I just didn't have The math holes either way. Uh, yeah. So, but at the end of the story, um, at age 65, uh, Joe, Joe, right? Right. Joe and Bob. <laughs> I should have wrote this down. So, so Joe, who invested only sixteen thousand dollars to start with, um, in those first eight years, ends up with two point almost two point three million dollars, uh, two million two hundred eighty eight thousand nine hundred ninety six dollars. If anybody wants to go run the math on that, um, and Bob, who is our late saver. Who put in seventy-eight thousand dollars till age sixty-five ends up with one point five million dollars, one million five hundred thirty-two thousand one hundred sixty-six dollars. So Joe, just because of he started earlier, is ahead by over seven hundred thousand dollars at that point, at the, at the end of the race, if you will. Um, and uh, that's just to highlight that quote we we uh that i botched by albert einstein um about compounding interest and how it's the eighth wonder of the world and and uh joe because he started saving early didn't have to contribute as much um he stopped contributing only after eight years but still wound up with more um so i I think it's a a, a good uh telling story and uh um a a good a good way to hit the point home of start early and I know, you know for some that are maybe our age or older that haven't started doesn't right. mean you give up i mean it just it means let's get on track and let's get let's get uh yeah i, lo- I love
1: that example I, I use a similar story um when i do some financial presentations and uh I, I mean i change the names to protect you know the innocent i can't believe you used uh Bob and Joe's real names. I mean, just <laughs> putting them on pile. But uh, when I, yeah, I, I give a similar, tell a similar story. Um, I talk about someone who starts saving it at 25 for 10 years, and then another person who starts and then stops, and then another person that waits till 35 and saves up till 65. And investor two ends up saving three times, putting three times as much in, but never catches up to investor number one, right? And and I, yeah. when I tell that story, I'm usually in a, a room of mixed ages, and so I. I make sure to let them know that like if you're 35 or, or beyond don't think that it's too late to be investor one, because these ages could just as as easily have been 45 and 55. Right. Um, It doesn't matter when you start. The point is um, you know, the best time to start investing was, you know, yesterday, but the second best time is today. So just get started, be consistent. um, And, and keep at it and let that money compound for you. And you're going to end up uh, better off than if you had waited.
0: Yeah. I wish, uh, I wish somebody would have shown me this, um, to my 19 year old self, you know, um, or every year until I got the point at least. (laughs) So, but, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's wrap things up. Um, Tell people where they can find you.
1: Sure. So uh, you can find me in Waldo uh, in Kansas City very. <laughs> or uh, more likely online. Um, my my company, my firm is called Tandem Financial Guidance. Website's tandemguidance.com. Um, no big deal. Uh, Kyle and I do um, similar things for folks and I think serve, serve families the right way. So, uh, you know, not to, to plug us, but reach out to either one of us and we'll help you get get on the right path but um i yeah i mean I'm, i have a, a twitter i think at tyler landis and then also at uh, tandem guidance would be the company's handle um instagram might be tyler underscore landis i'm not sure um don't have a podcast yet i just hop around on my buddy's podcast like kyle and um uh, yeah i'm on linkedin too you can link in with me if that's your
0: your flavor of choice i'm, I'm still gonna work on you on this uh Co-hosting a podcast together. This is just the the start. This there is the go. crack in the door. Uh, brewing financial sense with Tyler and Kyle. See, I'm even <laughs> letting your name go first. Um, and then we'd we'd have a beer of the day that we're drinking. This is kind of my thought process. So, but uh, we'll put everything in the show notes um, where everyone can find you, and uh, I'm sure they'll hear you on another future episode. I'd love to do it. Yep. All right, they uh, crushing it this week in fantasy, dude so far yeah
1: i mean i guess my week's over there's a few other players to go uh tonight but we'll
0: see as as matthew berry would say blowing the roof off the doors (laughs) so makes no sense so all right you take care buddy
1: all right thanks kyle appreciate it
0: thanks for listening to personal finance from the hilltop i hope you enjoyed the show if you'd like more information about me or Hilltop Financial Planning, you can visit hilltopfp.com, no dash. For links and resources mentioned in the podcast, be sure to check out the show notes. Also, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you get all the new episodes when they drop. Any five-star reviews are highly encouraged and greatly appreciated. You can find personal finance from the Hilltop on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, the Hilltop website, And now amazon music at hilltop we continue to bring on new clients so if you or someone you know are interested in discussing how we can help you find financial freedom go to our website and click on the schedule a call in the upper right hand corner we offer a free 30-minute introductory call no sales pitch just a conversation about you what you're looking for and how i can help lastly A very important disclaimer my attorneys that I do not have on Retainer want me to mention. Everything in this podcast is of my opinion or my guest's opinion and is not to be taken as investment advice because I'm not your financial advisor, however I could be, nor have I considered your personal financial situation as a fiduciary. This podcast is for educational purposes only. Hilltop Financial Planning LLC is a state-registered investment advisor in the state of Missouri but serves clients nationwide. Another episode of Personal Finance from the Hilltop in the Books. Signing off from the Hilltop, I'm Kyle Hill.